Alleluia. Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Alleluia. Good morning. This is Father Caleb with Emmanuel Anglican Church coming to you with our celebration of Christ's resurrection on this Easter Sunday for 2020, April 12th. We will be worshiping together this morning using a form of morning prayer with our readings appointed for the day regarding the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We will hear a sermon and we will offer our prayers together this morning. If you're following along in the worship booklet that we have provided via email and hard copy as well, we are using the Easter Sunday morning prayer booklet today. As we begin our worship, let's call to worship. Let's call one another to worship by saying uh, this wonderful little hymn. It's much shorter when we don't sing it, but when we only say it. But let's say it together as a call to worship. Christ the Lord is risen today. You'll find it printed on page 3 of your service booklet. Christ the Lord is risen today. Hallelujah. Sons of men and angels say, Hallelujah. Raise your joys and triumphs high. Hallelujah. Sing ye heavens, thou earth reply. Hallelujah. And one more time together. Christ the Lord is risen today. Hallelujah. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Folks, it is on this Easter Sunday morning that it is entirely appropriate for us to offer our confession of sin because we find in the resurrection of Jesus Christ the truth of forgiveness, forgiveness earned upon his bloody cross as he is enthroned as the king of the cosmos. We confess our sins recognizing that he died for us and more than that, he conquered sin and death and hell, rising victorious from the grave. And so we confess together. We draw near to the throne of heavenly grace. We use the the form of confession found printed on the bottom of page 3. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against your holy laws. We have left undone those things which you ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done. And apart from your grace, there is no health in us. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Spare all those who confess their faults. Restore all those who are penitent, according to your promises declared to all people in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may now live a godly, righteous, and sober life to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, desires not the death of sinners, but that they may turn from their wickedness and live. He has empowered and commanded his ministers to pronounce to his people, being penitent, the absolution and remission of their sins. He pardons and absolves all who truly repent and genuinely believe his holy gospel. For this reason, we beseech him to grant us true repentance and his Holy Spirit, that our present deeds may please him, the rest of our lives may be pure and holy, and that at the last we may come to his eternal joy, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. 
Let's stand together. As we are invited to the Lord, let us say together these words. O Lord, open our lips, and our mouth shall proclaim your praise. O God, make speed to save us. O Lord, make haste to help us. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Praise the Lord. The Lord's name be praised. Hallelujah. The Lord is risen indeed. O come, let us adore him. Hallelujah. Together we say our uh, invitatory psalm. It is uh, Pascha Nostrum, Christ our Passover, taken from uh, various places in Paul's letters of the 1 Corinthians and Romans. You'll find it printed at the top of page 5 in your worship booklet. Hallelujah! Christ our Passover has been sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with the old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Alleluia! Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. The death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So also consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Jesus Christ our Lord. Alleluia! Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. Alleluia! Please be seated for the reading of the word. Our psalm appointed for this day, this day of resurrection, it's a selection of verses from Psalm 118. We're starting with verses 1 and 2, and then we jump to verses 14 through 24. Psalm 118, beginning at verse 1. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his steadfast love endures forever. Let Israel say, his steadfast love endures forever. Picking up at verse 14. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Glad songs of salvation are in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord exalts. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. I shall not die, but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. The Lord has disciplined me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Open to me the gates of righteousness, that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. We respond to the reading of the psalm by saying together the Gloria Patri. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. 
Our first reading this morning, uh, or our second reading this morning, actually, but the first reading non, uh, from a non-psalm uh, comes from the Old Testament prophecies of Isaiah, the 25th chapter, beginning at the 6th verse. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, a rich food full of marrow, of aged wine, well-refined. And he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces, and the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth. For the Lord has spoken. It will be said on that day, Behold, this is our God. We have waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We respond to the reading of Isaiah chapter 25, verses 6 through 9, by saying together, uh, a few verses of the worship song, the hymn, Alleluia, Alleluia. You'll find these two verses printed on page 6 of your worship booklet. Alleluia, Alleluia, give thanks to the risen Lord. Alleluia, Alleluia, give praise to His name. Jesus is Lord of all the earth. He is the King of creation. Alleluia, Alleluia, give thanks to the risen Lord. Alleluia, alleluia, give praise to his name. Let's stand together for the reading of the gospel. The gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, according to St. John, the 20th chapter, beginning at the first verse. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb, but both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there, and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white, sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. 
Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Let us respond to the reading of the Gospel, the the story of Christ's resurrection this morning, by saying together, Christ triumphant, ever reigning. Christ triumphant, ever reigning, Savior, Master, King, Lord of heaven, our lives sustaining, hear us as we sing. Yours the glory and the crown, the high renown, the eternal name. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we turn now to the proclamation of the word. Your word, O Lord, and we pray for your Holy Spirit to come and be at work amongst us. Yes, we are separated by distance. Yes, we are separated by geography and illness. Yes, we are separated by the interwebs. But Holy Spirit, we trust as your word, the word of God is proclaimed, that you will be at work. Reveal Jesus to us. Call us to faith, to repentance. Do your work, Holy Spirit, the work that only you can do for our good and for God's glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you're still standing, I invite you to be seated because we're going to preach a sermon this morning. And as is uh, the tradition here at Emmanuel Church on Easter Sunday, our sermon will be just about an hour and a half long, so I hope you packed a lunch. I'm kidding, of course. Of course I'm kidding. It'll be two hours. Again, a kid, a kid. Well, this morning we celebrate the center point of the Bible. We celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. And in the Bible, everything that has come before leads us to the events of those three days in history. The crucifixion on Friday, Jesus dead in the grave on Saturday, the resurrection on Sunday. And in the Bible, everything that comes after flows out of these three days. And saying this is saying a lot. But saying this isn't saying enough. You see, the resurrection of Jesus is not just the center of the story of the Bible, it's also the center of cosmic history. It is the center of universal history. It is the center point, the climax of the story of creation. It is the single greatest event in the world to ever occur. The resurrection of Jesus taken together with the crucifixion and his ascension. It is the single greatest event because of what it means and what it does. Now, our gospel reading this morning, we read just bones. We read facts of the resurrection. And and these facts are astonishing. These bones are miraculous. One who is known to be dead. Remember, he was executed by uh, experts in death, Roman soldiers. One who is known to be dead was now alive and revealed himself walking and talking, apparently being touched by Mary, to people who knew him in life, to people who saw him in death and now are seeing him in life again. And folks, in this sort of bones, in these facts of the resurrection, there are details that one simply would not think to include if one was making up a story. Details such as where the cloths that had wrapped the body were lying, or the order in which they were. I mean, John tells us that one of the, the, the face cloth itself was folded up by itself. Who would think to include that if they were making up 
a story, the fact that Jesus revealed himself in all of the gospel accounts first to women is not something that would have been included in a fictional account in the first century. Women were not allowed to be witnesses in that culture, in that day, in that time. There are other facts and, and, and more things about the resurrection that help us or help to show its truthfulness that it really did happen. In fact, Weighed with the same standard that we use for other ancient world histories, the resurrection of Jesus is the most verifiable event in world history, just as it is the single greatest event in world history. But that's not what this sermon is about. There are lots of resources and materials available if you would like to look into the trustworthiness and truthfulness of the Bible and the Gospels. What I'd like to do this morning is to look into what the resurrection means and does. And this morning we have three points to be made. The resurrection of Jesus means that first, a true salvation is offered. The resurrection of Jesus means, second, a new present reality, a true way to be human is given. And then finally, the resurrection of Jesus means that a future hope is assured. Let's look first at this idea that the resurrection of Jesus means that a true salvation is offered. And if you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Now in this chapter, St. Paul has been writing about the glorious necessity of the resurrection of Jesus to a group of folks in a church that had been infected, invaded by a teaching that said there was no resurrection, period. That there never will be a personal resurrection, that no human would ever be resurrected. And Paul is making the point, if there is no resurrection, then Jesus himself wasn't raised, and if Jesus wasn't raised, then bad things occur. So while I encourage you to read all of this chapter, chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians, I want to draw your, our attention to a few specific verses this morning. Look with me at 1 Corinthians 15, 16 through 19. As, as you find it in your scripture, I'll, I'll read along with you. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. And notice what Paul says about the resurrection and salvation. If Christ was not raised from the dead, if there is no resurrection, if Jesus did not emerge out of that tomb, then there is no forgiveness of sin. If there is no resurrection of Jesus, then Jesus was just another crucified criminal. And we are still dead in our sins. Paul's telling to the church in, first, in, in Corinth, you are still dead in your sins. If there is no resurrection, then there is no gospel. There's no good news. But notice with me how Paul continues in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 20. I call this Paul's big but. Verse 20, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. Right? Because there is the resurrection, because Christ is alive, then there is forgiveness of sin. Because Then there is true hope. Then there is gospel. And so the resurrection of Jesus means that there is good news. The true salvation has been offered. 
Folks, we need to always bear this in mind. We human beings are, in our natural selves, sinners who have fallen short of God's glory. God is holy and he is righteous. He is set apart and perfect in his being, in his character, in his morality. Because of sin, because of the curse of sin, we are not. We are not what God is, and so we sin in what we do. And just like we confessed this morning, we sin in what we do not do. We fall short of God's glorious and majestic holiness. Because of sin, because we fall short of God's standard of righteousness, we are under the curse of sin, which is death. Sin deserves payment. Wrongdoing deserves justice. And the payment that sin deserves is death. Every one of us ought to die for the sins we've committed. But there is really good news. This is the gospel, the best news in all of time in history. God sent his son, the father sent the son, to die in our place, to take the penalty of our sins upon himself, and to bear away the justice of God. Jesus died upon the cross. He really died. He was buried in the tomb, and the rock was rolled into the opening, and then Jesus physically was raised from the dead. The resurrection occurred. Jesus walked out of the tomb alive. The conqueror of sin, the conqueror of evil, the destroyer of hell, the destroyer of even death. And so guarantees the salvation that God has to offer. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. His resurrection reveals the perfect sufficiency of his substitutionary sacrifice, making us sinners forgiven. Covered in the blood of Christ, we can now come into the presence of God, reunited with our Creator. His resurrection is the perfect victory, one that He shares with all who believe, who trust in Him. In another of his letters, St. Paul writes this, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. By trusting in Jesus Christ, the crucified and risen one, by trusting in the free gift of God, his death becomes our death. His resurrection becomes our resurrection. And we are given a new way to be human, united in Jesus, united to Jesus in death and in new life. And so the second thing, right, for us, what the resurrection does it offers us a true salvation, but it also gives us a new present reality. A new way to be human. There's absolutely a moral and ethical consequence that comes with being baptized into the death and resurrection of Jesus. Basically, we must recognize this fact. The sharing in the resurrection of Jesus means we are new creations, recreations, if you will, with a new way of living. This is exactly why St. Paul writes a bit earlier in his first letter to the Corinthians in chapter 5, do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump as you really are unleavened. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Let us therefore celebrate the festival not with the old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. That which was unholy in our lives, those sins and those habits that kept us far from God, must be destroyed, must be removed from the lives of believers in Jesus. The old has gone. The new has been given. 
This is why he says, you're a new lump. That's quite the compliment. But you are a new lump. Be done with the old and live differently. You see, there's this moral and ethical consequence because there is a complete restructuring of life, the life of a believer, around the risen Jesus Christ. And again, we see this in a letter of St. Paul, this time his letter to the Colossians. Chapter 3 begins, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. If you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God, when Christ ha- who is uh, for you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God, when Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him. Where? In glory. Those who trust in Jesus are baptized into his resurrection, his, his death and his resurrection. Having been raised with Christ into the new life in Christ, there is a complete restructuring of life around the risen Christ. There's new priorities. There are are new paradigms. There are new foci. Things are different. Christ is the new center. This means that raised to new life in Christ, we now seek first the kingdom of Christ. In the power of the Holy Spirit, we can live a life worthy of Jesus' name. And this means that there is absolute security of salvation and eternal life. We say there is security because first, Christ is seated. Notice where he's seated, at the right hand of God. A position of true authority, a position of true power. This is a position of privilege and honor. He was crucified, died, he was buried, he was raised on the third day. The resurrection shows God's approval, his affirmation of the sacrifice. As Jesus ascends into heaven 40 days after his resurrection, he takes his place at the right hand of of God. And so there is security. We say there is security even in the midst of turmoil and crisis with ongoing battle with sin because the life of a believer is now, Paul says, with Christ, hidden with Christ in God. And there's no safer place to be. The resurrection of Jesus means a true salvation is offered. The resurrection of Jesus means a new way to be human and security in the midst of this present life. And the resurrection of Jesus means there is a future hope to come when Christ comes again. Now earlier, I made a statement that may have startled you if you caught it. I I said the resurrection of Jesus is the center of cosmic history, that is to say, universal history. It is the single greatest event in the world to ever have occurred, taken together with the crucifixion and ascension of Jesus. I say this because of the salvation that is offered. I I say this because of the new way to be human that is given. And I say that the resurrection of Jesus is the center of cosmic history because Christ's work upon the cross and his resurrection initiated a new era, a new period, a new time, a new era. This era doesn't look much different than any other era, does it? People are still sinners. People are still prideful in their self-seeking and self-filling. They're still full of self-aggrandizement. Idolatry is rampant and death lurks behind every shadow. How is this a new era? 
Folks, this is a new era precisely because of what is available in the crucified and risen Jesus. This is a new era precisely because of the gift of the Holy Spirit, the crucified, risen, and ascended Jesus gives to all who believe. This is a new era, as I said, that has been initiated but is not yet consummated. And so this era is characterized by an already but not yet way of life. Death is already defeated but not yet destroyed. We are already new creations, but we are not perfected. We are already justified, and while we are being sanctified, we are not yet glorified. The scriptures paint for us a picture, a portrait of what will be when the not yet becomes fulfilled. That time in which all of the new era becomes the now of the present. We actually heard a vision from the prophet Isaiah this morning. He gives us a vision of this future hope we have in the resurrection of Jesus and the consummation, the completion of that new era when he comes again. Isaiah writes, On this mountain the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food full of marrow, of aged wine well refined. And he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces, and the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth. For the Lord has spoken. It will be said on that day, Behold, this is our God. We've waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. Isaiah paints a beautiful picture of the consummation of the new era, the coming reign of the cosmic king, the crucified and risen Christ. And the resurrection gives us hope of this future reality. It's a meal. Notice what's happening. It's, it's a meal. It's a banquet. It's a festival. Of, a meal full of fine, woo, uh, fine foods and amazing wine. Maybe there will be bourbon. I don't know. But it's a meal of abundance. It's a, a meal of joy, of celebration. What's happening here? This is a place of life. As death has been defeated, and not just defeated, and now death's over in the corner pouting. No, death has been destroyed by Jesus, the destroyer of death. In fact, uh, St. Paul, again, back in 1 Corinthians 15, writes, The last enemy to be destroyed is death. The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. How is there victory over death? How is there hope in this present the resurrection of Jesus. We hear notes of this consummation in, of the new era in an exchange between two characters in, in the Lord of the Rings. I just love the way Tolkien puts it when he, when he has this conversation between Samwise Gamgee and Gandalf. And I wanted to share it because maybe it will uh, resonate with you. Samwise says, Gandalf, I thought you were dead. But then I thought I was dead myself. And is everything sad going to come untrue? What's happened to the world? Gandalf replies, a great shadow has departed. And then he laughed, and the sound was like music, or like water in a parched land. And as he listened, the thought came to Sam that he had not heard laughter, the pure sound of merriment, for days upon days without count. What Isaiah pictures for us, and there are other places in Scripture where, I, where the authors picture the same sort of thing, is a, is a time of messianic abundance, Jesus' abundance, a time of great feasting, a time of great celebration, because everything sad has come untrue, because the great shadow 
has been de- has departed, has been destroyed. And the resurrection of Jesus gives to all who put their trust in him a true salvation, a new way of life, and a hope for a future. A future of celebration in his presence. This morning, as we wrap up our time together, or at least, at least wrap up this time of preaching together, I'd like to offer three basic implications uh, for us today. One implication for each of our main points. First, Jesus' resurrection gives a true salvation. We are sinners, but there is forgiveness given. We are dead in our sins, but there is life made available. I just want to ask you today, if you're listening, do you believe and trust in the crucified and risen Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? If not, why not? If not today, when? I don't do this very often. Maybe I should do it more often. But if you would like to trust in Jesus today, simply offer this prayer. Lord Jesus, I believe in you. I know that I'm a sinner and need to be forgiven. Lord, I believe you died for me and I believe you are alive. Make me dead and alive in you. Forgive me my sins and grant me your gift of the Holy Spirit. And if you said that prayer this morning, reach out to us here at Emmanuel Church. Reach out to a family member, a friend, a neighbor. Make contact and let us know. We want to come alongside you in this. Second, I think we can say that we are currently living in a time in which our lives have been upset or interrupted and shaken. So if, if Jesus' resurrection gives us a, a new present reality, a new way to be human, are we now in an opportunity to restructure our lives around Jesus, the risen Savior? Is this present time, this present crisis, an opportunity to set our minds on the things that are above, to seek first his kingdom, to restructure and refocus our lives around Christ? Offer those prayers this morning. Ask the Holy Spirit to guide you in this. Set your mind on Christ, the one who is above. And finally, Jesus' resurrection gives us a hope of a future And so we welcome hope in the present as we await the future. Hope, folks, is not wishful or fanciful thinking. No, hope is actually a confident expectation that what has been promised to occur will indeed occur. And Christ has promised a glorious future, a consummation with a feast. And how can we know that that will come? How can we have a confident expectation in that glorious future? The resurrection. We can have true hope then, even in the midst of this coronavirus pandemic, even with the anxiety of COVID-19, that there will be a future that is dependent not upon the creative and technological advancements of men, but upon the crucified and risen Jesus. Folks, the truth is, the coronavirus and this pandemic will pass. Life will be changed, but death will still be present. We may come up with a vaccine for this virus, just as we have, co- have come up for uh, vaccines for measles, mumps, rubella, polio, chickenpox, malaria, and the shingles, but death will still remain. It's the last enemy to be destroyed, and it will be, not by any man-made thing, but by the crucified, risen, ascended, and returning King Jesus. And so we can have the confident expectation, this true hope, that it will be because Jesus died and then emerged from an empty tomb victorious over death. Jesus' resurrection happened. It matters because it means that there is a true salvation offered 
Jesus' resurrection happened, it matters because true, dare I say, real life can now be lived in the present. Jesus' resurrection happened, and it matters because of the future that is guaranteed for all who believe. So on this day of Jesus' resurrection, this Easter Sunday, April 12, 2020, I say to you, believe in Jesus. Trust in his substitutionary atonement upon the cross. Trust in his resurrection. Trust in him and live forgiven and free in the present with hope for the future. And I've said this to you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. In response to the preaching of God's word, let us stand together and we'll recite together the Apostles' Creed. You'll find it printed on page 7 of your worship booklet. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The Lord be with you and with your spirit. Let us pray. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. As we enter into our time of prayer, I encourage you to adopt a posture of prayer. Our prayers begin by us praying together the prayer that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ taught us, taught his disciples, and so we are bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. O Lord, show your mercy upon us and grant us your salvation. O Lord, guide those who govern us and lead us in the way of justice and truth. Clothe your ministers with righteousness and let your people sing with joy. O Lord, save your people and bless your inheritance. Give peace in our time, O Lord, and defend us by your mighty power. Let not the needy, O Lord, be forgotten, nor the hope of the poor be taken away. Create in us clean hearts, O God, and take not your Holy Spirit from us. As we pray together this morning, we're going to offer some very specific prayers to our current context uh, of crisis and pandemic. We're also going to offer prayers appointed. Uh, we're going to offer prayers for mission. We're going to offer prayers for this day of resurrection. We're going to offer prayers for the church. Let us pray. O God, who for our redemption gave your only begotten Son to die upon the cross, and by his glorious resurrection delivered us from the devil and the power of death, grant us grace to die daily to sin, that we may live with him in the joy of his resurrection, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, now and forever. Amen. Let's pray that we may be good neighbors in this time of social distress. Increase, O God, the spirit of neighborliness among us, that in peril we may uphold one another, in suffering tend to one another, and in homelessness 
loneliness, or exile, befriend one another. Grant us brave and enduring hearts that we may strengthen one another until the disciplines and testing of these days are ended and you again give peace in our time. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We do want to pray for those who are suffering with all kinds of illnesses, including uh, the COVID-19 disease. and There's a variety of other folks who need healing as well. And so we pray for the recovery of sick people. Almighty and immortal God, giver of life and health, we implore your mercy upon your servants. Dot, Jane, Sally, Keith, Forrest, Nancy, Betts, Joe, Marlene, Nathaniel, Jack Ryan, Judy, Seth, Kathy, Brant, Helen, Joyce, John, Patty, Lee, Jenna, Caleb K, Lori, Gracie, Randy, Craig, Alice, Mallory, Dave, Melissa, June, Hal, Sue, Mike, Sally, Bob, Fred, the Church at Liberty Square, and any others that you may now name. By your mercy upon them and upon those who minister to them with your healing gifts, that they may be restored to health of body and mind according to your gracious will, and may give thanks to you in your holy church through Jesus Christ our Lord. And we do pray for those who are serving in the medical professions now, working tirelessly to stem this pandemic. Almighty God, whose blessed Son, Jesus Christ, went about doing good and healing all manner of sickness and disease among the people, continue in our hospitals His gracious work among us, console and heal the sick, grant to the physicians, nurses, and assisting staff wisdom and skill, diligence and patience, prosper their work, O Lord, and send down your blessing upon all who serve the suffering, through Jesus Christ our Lord. This is a time of worry, a time of anxiety, and so we pray for trustfulness. Most loving Father, you will us to give thanks for all things, to dread nothing but the loss of you, and to cast all our care on the one who cares for us. Preserve us from faithless fears and worldly anxieties, and grant that no clouds of this mortal life may hide from us the light of that love which is immortal, and which you have manifested unto us in your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. There is worry and anxiety connected to uh, this pandemic and illness, but there is also worry and anxiety connected to economy, to uh, unemployment, to paychecks. And so we pray, O Lord Jesus Christ, in your earthly life you shared our toil and hallowed our labor. Guide those who maintain the commerce and industries of this land and give to all who labor pride in their work a just reward. Enjoy both in supplying need and in serving you, who with the Father and the Holy Spirit live and reign, one God, world without end. We remember before you, Heavenly Father, those who suffer want and anxiety from lack of work. Guide the people of this land so to use our public and private wealth that they may find suitable and fulfilling employment and receive a just reward for their labor through Jesus Christ our Lord. We pray this morning for grace. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, Almighty and Everlasting God, you have brought us safely to the beginning of this day. Defend us by your mighty power, 
that we may not fall into sin nor run into any danger, and that guided by your Spirit, we may do what is righteous in your sight through Jesus Christ our Lord. And we offer a prayer for mission. Reminded, being reminded and knowing that the truth of the gospel is not bound up. Though we may be isolated, the gospel is free to go and roam and move. The church still has a mission to do. And so we pray, Lord Jesus Christ, you stretched out your arms of love on the hard wood of the cross that everyone might come within the reach of your saving embrace. So clothe us in your spirit that we, reaching forth our hands in love, may bring those who do not know you to the knowledge and love of you for the honor of your name. Amen. We'll uh, conclude our prayers this morning by praying the general thanksgiving. Together, you'll find it printed on page 11 of your worship booklets. Almighty God, Father of all mercies, we, your unworthy servants, give you humble thanks for all your goodness and loving kindness to us and to all whom you have made. We bless you for our creation, preservation, and all the blessings of this life. But above all, for your immeasurable love and the redemption of the world by our Lord Jesus Christ, for the means of grace and for the hope of glory. And we pray, give us such an awareness of your mercies that with truly thankful hearts we may show forth your praise, not only with our lips but in our lives, by giving up ourselves to your service and by walking before you in holiness and righteousness all our days. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be honor and glory throughout all ages. Amen. All of our problems we send to the cross of Christ. All of our difficulties we send to the cross of Christ. All the devil's works we send to the cross of Christ. And all of our hopes we set on the risen Christ. May Christ, the Son of Righteousness, shine before you and scatter all the darkness from before your path. And may the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, be with you now and remain with you always. Christ the Lord is risen today. Alleluia. Son of men and angels say, Alleluia. Raise your joys and triumphs high. Alleluia. Sing ye heavens, thou earth, reply. Alleluia. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God.